Welcome to In Strange Company. I'm your host, Marcus Strange. I believe we're a composite of the people with whom we surround ourselves. On this podcast, I sit down with some of the most interesting humans you could hope to meet and give you the opportunity to surround yourself with some amazing people. My guests and I share insights into creating authentic and purpose-filled lives. Thanks for stopping by. I appreciate the company. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to In Strange Company. Thank you for joining me this week. I hope that you are uh, enjoying uh, the the pros of this time uh, at home and that you are uh, not judging yourself for the hard things that you're just sitting with what is and learning from this because this is a great time to learn. And we're going to do some learning today. I'm really excited about my guest that I have with me. Her name is Marissa Medden. And I, I'm just going to let her take it from here because she has such an incredible resume and I, I, I know I will not do it justice. So Marissa, thank you so much for joining me and welcome to the show. Thanks, Marcus. I'm really excited to, to chat with you today. Would you tell us a little bit about who you are and what it is that you do for a living? Absolutely. So um, again, my name is Marissa Medin. I uh, travel the world full time, um, most of the time, usually a month at a time. I am uh, back home in Atlanta right now during coronavirus time, but normally I'm hopping all over the world working remotely and it's it's part of what I love. Um, on top of that, I am a medium, which means I communicate with people who are not alive. So I know for a lot of people that's new, maybe unbelievable. Uh, so I love to kind of share my story and answer any questions and just describe what the journey has been like to, you know, understanding uh, myself and what I'm capable of because I didn't always know that I could do this. And I also um, do coaching as well. I love to help people um, figure out what careers they're they're meant to do and and live and you know what their overall life mission is. I would say and all of the emotions and fears and limiting beliefs and blocks that come along with that. So I've really kind of merged the the two careers in a way as well. And that's the gist of it. Wow, that is incredible. And I like I said, I'm so excited to talk to you. You and I chatted a little bit um, offline about this. But um, as most of my listeners have heard by this point, I grew up in a very conservative uh, Christian religion. And, um, this, the practice that you do was something that was, if it wasn't, you know, just ignored, it was outright, you know, rejected. (laughs) And, um, which I find ironic now as I've, um, been on my own spiritual journey, because I think at least for myself, what I've observed is that we're all trying to achieve the same thing and some of us get there one way and some of us get there another way. And so I'm really excited to talk to you and hear about um, what it is that you help people do. Um, But my first question for you, I guess, is when did, when did you find this calling? How did you, how did you get here? I'm just (laughs) like, did you wake up at six years old and all of a sudden you were like, this is me. This is what I want to do. I help me fill in the gaps here. Yeah, no, it's, it's been a journey and it was not at all. Uh, it wasn't just one revelation. I haven't been doing it forever. Um, but I will take you back to, to my childhood briefly because it did start there. So my mother 
has always been really open to this world. So it kind of sounds like the opposite of, of maybe your experience with, with religion and, and what people believe in this, um, in the mediumship or, you know, communicating with spirits or other side or that sort of thing. Um, on the flip side for me, my mom was always someone who would talk about past lives that she had sudden realizations about or spirits that she felt in the room. So she didn't quite take it as far as, um, becoming a medium or doing this as work or anything like that. But she would have crystals around the house and things like that, which I just thought were decoration. I didn't, I didn't really fully understand it, but it was something I was always open to the way she would phrase it. She would always, you know, my, my brother, my friends and I would always laugh because she would seem so, I say, quote unquote, normal until she would just talk about ghosts or spirits or things. And she would always say, you know, I don't care if you guys believe it. This is my experience. And I always believed that she had those experiences, but I never did personally. So it kind of started there of just being probably more aware and more open to it than most, but not, yeah, I never had any of these things. I didn't practice it. I didn't learn about it. I went to, you know, I was like the straight A student playing all the sports, like editor of my yearbook. And I went to college and studied business and did the corporate marketing career for like six years at Pepsi. Uh, so that was my life for a while. And about uh, six or seven years ago now, um, my grandfather passed away. And on top mm. of what my mom already did, um, it was it was really the first person in her life who passed away that had such a strong impact that she really started looking for ways to communicate and get more answers. And so she started going to psychics and mediums. And uh, I had moved back to Atlanta. I was back here for about two years, um, a couple of years ago. And so I would go with her to all of these, you know, to psychics and mediums. And I just became more interested, really. I started reading more about it. I started, um, really, I was, I had become an entrepreneur at this time and was looking into, you know, business podcasts. And everyone just kind of started hinting at these things about energy or, you know, your inner guidance or wisdom. And it just kind of all came together where I was fascinated by it. So I was either reading a business book about, you know, entrepreneurship tactics or a book about like auras and, you know, energy and quantum physics and what did it all mean? And it accidentally happened. Um, so I journal a lot. Uh, I started practice. I started a couple of years ago to get through just the emotions of entrepreneurship. I'd left a relationship and moved and it was just a hard time. And as I was writing, suddenly um, it came through in my writing, these, these letters from people. Um, so everything I do, uh, I don't see spirits. I always say I'm really grateful for that because I, I think there's a lot of mediums or I know there are mediums out there who see ghosts or spirits or it's like always in their head and they can't really escape it. For me, I kind of have to tap into it and it comes out... Um, almost completely through what's called automatic writing. So it happened while I was journaling and these letters would come out from people, these messages for people who, um, you know, the first one that happened, I didn't even know the person. The second was my grandfather. And then my mom's friends kind of, she would tell them these stories and they would start asking me if I could do it for them. And um, I can keep going after that, but that's, that's kind of how it started. So it was an accident. I think, again, it helped that I was open to it and, as I look at my mom's, you know, the generations of women in our family, my grandmother, my great grandmother, everybody kind of had little hints of this, uh, but it's never really been quite as full blown as what I'm doing now. Wow. That's incredible. What was that first letter like? Yeah, the first one was really bizarre. So I had been, uh, it was a really good friend of mine who had a family member who had committed suicide and uh, there was, it was the one year anniversary of uh, this death. 
And I had been talking to her for um, just a couple of nights. We were hanging out a lot and she was having a hard time and her family was having a hard time. And I just went home to journal that night the same way I normally do. And suddenly it was just like um, the best way to explain. I don't even know how to explain it. It was just these words had to come out of me that I, I didn't know where they came from. And it was this letter from her cousin to her. And I, I, again, I had never met her cousin. I didn't know if what I was writing was true. And the way I explain all of my letters now when I do them because there's, I do them for you know people who I've never met, the, the person requesting it or the person who has passed away. And it feels as if I'm just writing a fictional novel or something because it means mm. it doesn't mean anything to me. I don't know if it's accurate. It's confusing. It's almost as if you know you're telling an inside joke to someone that it's like I hear the words, but I don't I don't know what they mean. So that was the first one that happened, and I was like, whoa, this is kind of strange. But at the same time, um, I had been doing so much, you know, journaling and. Uh, channeling and and going to mediums and things like that, that it wasn't, uh, I guess I was prepared for it is the best way, but I still was like, whoa, I don't know if this is real. And then I kind of did a couple more tests and that's when it really started to to feel and, and really become more real. Gotcha. So, oh, man. <laughs> <You're> like, uh, <laughs> I, no, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm learning to, to open myself up yeah. to this, uh, this world and, and to acknowledge that there, that there is something else out there because mm -hmm. for, you know, the last year and a half, my kind of my mindset after leaving one extreme was, well, there's nothing yeah. like there's, you know, it's all, it's all biology and science and there's the metaphysical and spiritual. Mm -hmm. That's just things that people do to comfort themselves. Mm -hmm. So I guess here's my question. Yeah. How do you how do you share what you do with people that are very skeptical? I mean, obviously it's not your job to convince people of things they don't want to believe. Yeah. But for me, I'm coming to you and I'm saying, Marissa, <laughs> I'm skeptical, yeah. but I'm open. Help me understand and, and see what it is that you do. Yeah, great question. So one, I think the beauty of of how I share my story helps people to believe. So I remember when this first started happening, uh, one of my traveling friends, I'd been with him in Thailand and um, hadn't been doing this work. You know, he knew I was interested in like manifestation and law of attraction, you know, some weird things, but I didn't know at that time as a medium. And then about a year later, we uh, met back up in Panama and we're traveling together and I was telling him about this. And just hearing my story and knowing me, he said, you know, I've never believed in any of this. You know, my belief is that people are, you know, scam you and try to take your money and pretend that they're talking to, you know, your dead relatives or whatnot. Um, but he said, like, what would you do if someone paid you to do it and it wasn't accurate? And I would say I'd, I'd give them their money back in a heartbeat. Um, and, and I think just knowing me, he knew that um, it wasn't about being a fraud or a scam. It was this real experience that I was having. So I think one is just coming authentically from me and, and people start to hear my stories and what I've shared with people. And I'm not, you know, I, I'm never going to try to force my opinion on someone. I totally respect that some people don't believe and never will believe. And, you know, in fact, my brother is one of those people and it's funny, fun and funny. Cause he's like, you and mom are insane. Like what, what are you <laughs> even doing? And I'm like, that's fine. You have your beliefs. I have mine. Um, the same way my mom would tell us when we, were, when we were younger, you know, I'm not trying to convince you. I'm just, you know, I can only share what, what's happening. So 
when I start to share the stories, I think that's when it um, becomes more real for people. And then on top of that, the people who are curious, I've had a couple of, of um, friends or clients or people who were 100% you know, skeptical or unsure and they started hearing the story and, and thinking, all right, like maybe I'll give it a try. And I think that the information that comes through in my letters for those people that's when it kind of puts people over the edge of, you know, you couldn't have known these things. It sounded just like him or this weird detail or a nickname that you called, you know, whatever comes through in those letters for people, it starts to become more real for them. So um, I guess to people who are skeptical, one, I never want to convince you that anything's true. I, I, I believe firmly to each our own with what we believe and experience. And if you're curious, I think the same way, Marcus, that you're saying, it's like, there was nothing. And now it's like, I don't know if I fully believe, but I'm open to it. And that's kind of where I started too. So just um, start to read books about it or listen to it or give it a shot, you know, is kind of what do you have to lose, I suppose. Um, so that's just kind of where I'd say is, is be open. And the same way, you know, people say, well, what if it's, what if none of it's real? What if you're just, I don't, I don't know. I think the, the information that's come through for me has been so bizarre, but I get caught in my own mind that way too, where 90% of the time I I believe that what I'm doing there's there's no other explanation for it and then 10% of the time I still get stuck in my own you know logical mind I'm I'm like you very scientific and and logical and I'm just like what the hell is happening this just came up with you so you know for the for the people who are skeptical I understand I once was you and I still am you sometimes but I keep doing it because it's just so helpful and it's so healing uh, for the people and that's what's what keeps me going I suppose would you be willing to share a, a experience just as an example? I, and I realize you have to be respectful of your clients. Yeah. So do you mean an example of um, maybe something that came through or how like a, a yeah. detail or, or my experience writing? What do you, what do you want to know exactly? Yeah. I'm just, is there a story of someone that you uh, wrote a letter for that kind of illustrates w- you know, typically how your, your readings go. Yeah, I do. And I'll actually share, um, if you're open to it, I can create like a little landing page for you. I have a sample of a letter, um, that I can share and I'll, I'll give this example and then you guys can read it so you can see, cause it's, it's fun. It has the whole letter that I wrote and they're actually pretty long. And then it has the person's comments kind of next to it. Again, if I just share it with you, you'd be like, what the hell does this mean the same way I do? But it has her comments of like, this was meaningful because this was meaningful because. Um, So I'll do it. it, It's marissamedium.com and I'll do slash um, in strange company. So I'll have um, a version of that letter there. But it was fun because that was someone who wasn't really sure um, about the process. And it was a letter from her grandfather. And I think just one of the most fun details that was on there was um, there, there was something in there about, uh, it was, it was advice for her mother. So this person's daughter, it was the, the, sorry, the, the person who requested it and then for her grandfather. And then she also had some advice in there for her mother. And um, the advice to her mother was um, anytime that you're unsure or want to hear from, from me, the grandfather, to um, look at limes. And I was like, well, that's weird. Like, what the hell? I was like, and sometimes I read these things that I don't really fully know what I write when I'm writing it. And I look, I read them over afterwards. And I'm like, I almost like wanted to delete it. What does that even mean? That's so random. And it turns out that her mother had a lime tree um, right in the back of her mm. home that she looked out right outside of her kitchen window that she loved. And it reminded her of her grandfather. 
or her, her father, this person's grandfather. And so it's things like that. It's like these weird little details where I think a lot of people are, you know, there, there was a lot more on top of that, but that was just a fun little thing in there. And it, it's funny because I think a lot of people are skeptical where they say, you know, this person just research things about you or just be broad enough that it, you know, it's, they could guess or whatever. And one, I'm not doing these face to face. They're not live. So it's not like I'm reading emotional cues. I have people um, submit a photo and just a list of questions and a first name. Um, and that's all I have. So everything I write is, you know, completely random to me. And so again, it tends to be these weird little details of things that are, you know, maybe it talks about a drink that they used to drink a lot or, you know, an environment that they'd like to be in or, or things like that. So that was just a fun little one on top of a lot of bigger emotional messages that were in that letter. But yeah, if people go to marissamedium.com slash in strange company, I'll, I'll let you can uh, see the, the full letter in the comments there. That's so awesome. Thank you for doing that. I appreciate yeah. it. And I, I think people are gonna be really interested to check that out. One thing that you said that I found incredibly beautiful is that there's these little details, um, like the look at limes example that you just gave. I know in my life, um, I'm very close with my grandfather and he did this thing where he would, um, when he would sign his letters to me, he would always put 80. And that was just something, uh, that he and I had, uh, he always gave me a hard time when I played basketball that I needed to shoot at least 80% from the free throw line. <laughs> and so he would just, at the end of his letters, he would sign 80. And now whenever I see that number, oh, I, I have this beautiful connection yeah. with him. And what I love that you are able to do for people is bring back those connections because those are the things that are so powerful yeah. and they're so impactful. And we lose them sometimes when our loved ones are no longer with us. Um, so that's a real incredible service that you do for people. Yeah, I really, I, love that. I really like that, what you say too. And, and 80 is something, you know, no matter what you can always look at. And one of the things that I tell people when they ask, you know, a lot of people maybe will never get to this point of communicating in, in language like this, the way that I do, but, um, we can absolutely look for, you know, every single person in this world can look for signs and symbols to represent people mm. who have passed on. And it's almost just feeling, feeling their presence, feeling a wink for them. Or you could also say, um, you know, I'm, I'm having a hard time. Please show me an 80 if you're, you know, around or if I should do this or, you know, things like that. So, um, that's one, a lot of people have symbols of, um, kind of animals or, you know, some people like the, you know, they call them angel numbers like three, three, three on the clock or 11, 11 or things like that. Um, mm. but yeah, any, any symbols or things like that. My dad, I was talking, he's still alive, but we jokingly, he's like, when I come back, my symbol's going to be popcorn. Cause he loves like a special <laughs> thing he like makes for, for my family and always did. And his mom did. Um, so it could, you know, it can be anything. And I think that people think, you know, it could be a peacock and it doesn't mean you have to see like a peacock walking on the street. It might be that it's in a picture on Instagram, or it might be that it's like embroidered on somebody's pillow in a home you're visiting, or, you know, for you, the number 80 could be, um, you know, it could be on, um, on TV, on a VCR, it could be, you know, um, somebody's, you know, Jersey number, you know, whatever it is, you can see it anywhere. And I think that you kind of have the option to say, is this true or not? I don't know, but it, if it makes you feel better, I believe it really is true. I believe spirits really do send us those kind of symbols, but regardless if it's true or not, if it makes you feel that connection, if you feel close, I think it's amazing. Yeah. And I think I'm less 
as as I'm on this journey, I'm becoming less concerned about um, is something 100% true, mm-hmm. but what what good does it put yeah. into the world? Yeah. Um, did you ever see the Miracle on 34th Street, the movie, the Christmas movie? I have, but not in a really long time, but I do love Christmas movies. Oh, man, they're the best. <laughs> I'm actually thinking about doing a Christmas movie binge during COVID. Yes, quarantine. I love it. <laughs> There's a great line in that movie where they're having this like courtroom battle about whether or not this guy is really Santa Claus mm-hmm. or not. Anyway, and one of the lines from the the lawyer who's pre- advocating for Santa is, um, you know, what's, what's more valuable, um, a truth that, you know, shatters someone or, um, a, a beautiful, it was something like a beautiful lie that brings a smile. Yeah. And obviously we don't want to go around <laughs> ignoring truth and we don't want to go around lying, Yeah. but there's, but the message to me, at least in that is that, you know, sometimes it's less important about, you know, whether or not something is 100% true and more important about does this help people? Is this good? Does this put good in the world? And so I think I'm to the point with, um, with spirits and connecting with, you know, people that have moved on that I'm like, okay, (laughs) this is clearly putting a lot of good into this person's life. Yeah. And who am I to, uh, to hate on that? That's, that's not my place. So yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, um, it's, it's hard to balance knowing, you know, I, I think what's, what's weird and, and fun and interesting and also hard about this, this work and, and these beliefs is that we really will never know for sure what's, what's real or what's true in this sense. Right. I think with mediumship, the more I get into it and have my own experiences and read other people, you know, other mediums experiences and things like that, it becomes hard to deny just because of the specific information that people are sharing. But at the end of the day, and you know, this is where people ask me, I'm like, I, I don't know. Right. I can't say I don't have proof. Um, but I keep doing it because it, it, it brings so much healing and connection and closure and joy to people that, at the end of the, you know, at the end of the day, that's what's important. And like you said, there's, you know, there's a line between, you don't want to just share lies to make people feel better. And that's, you know, not what I'm doing. But I think with all of this, um, as you said, even my own belief of, you know, I used to be so scared that family members would pass away or die, or, you know, I, I, I used to have such a fear of losing people. And now, while I don't want those people in my life to pass away, I like them here physically and present. Um, my mom and I talk a lot about, you know, it's, it's not so scary because we're certain that, um, there's, there's a connection afterwards. Right. So I think our lives are lived more presently, more joyously and less fear. And it's just better day to day, not to, to be in that fear and worry. So, you know, there's a lot of positive benefits from it. And it, again, it just, if it helps and it heals, who are we to say what's really happening? It's hard to say, you know, based on the experience that it's not, but it, it brings a lot of good in the world for the people who are really doing it, you know? Yeah. And, and something that just occurred to me that I hadn't ever thought about before when I've been considering this is what, what peace that can bring for someone who is passing on mm-hmm. to know that they will still be able to connect back mm-hmm. with their family and their loved ones that they leave here. I know for me at times as, you know, I've been freaked out by, you know, I'm 
33 now and I never thought I'd be 33. (laughs) This is, this is new and uncharted territory for me. So, you know, I think all of us as, you know, we, we just consider life. We think about, well, you know, one day I'm going to pass on. That's been one of my biggest fears is like, man, I don't, I don't want to miss out on like my nieces and nephews lives. Like, I don't want to miss all the, all the cool things. Like, so for me, I, I just had this epiphany, like that's a very comforting thought to be able to think about reaching back out and, yeah. and seeing the things that are happening for them. Yeah. I love it as you say that and have another story. And I also am 32 and have nieces and nephews who who I love. Um, but it was funny. I was actually talking to my sister-in-law right when I kind of started to do this work and she um, has, has been, we've known her for, you know, like 15 maybe more years at this point. So she, she's been along the journey of, you know, the wackiness of my mother and and myself and all that we're doing. But um, (laughs) like her and my brother, they never, they never really fully believed. And um, when she had uh, their first kid, um, it was the first time she really, again, she'd always was, she's totally open to hearing our stories and, you know, believes that we have our own experiences kind of the way I felt about my mom growing up. But it was the first time she really started asking more questions about it because, having a child change her life to the fact that she was, you know, she started thinking if I pass away, is that it? Like I want to be part of my child's life for forever and and more than that. Right. So it was the first time she became really more open to it because of the love she had for her child and, um, you know, not wanting to pass on or leave him and, or, you know, be able to communicate no matter what happens. And so, yeah, it, it does have this new beautiful way of, of removing a lot of, of fear and worry and trusting that we're all still connected um, in different you know lifetimes or spirits and and all of that. So yeah, it's a it's a big topic to cover and I think it can feel overwhelming. But when you dig down into it, that's the beauty of it is that we all have so many people that we love and want to stay connected to. And the letters that I've written, um, you know, some of them have been hard of people who have committed suicide or passed away at a young age, but a lot of them. I think the takeaway that people get is, yeah, one, this connection that there still is a connection that no matter what, it's like that, that person still exists some, some way, somehow, and, and still watches over and cares and is connected. And, um, two, just, yeah, just to kind of feel their presence, I think is, is amazing. So that's why no matter how bizarre it gets or, um, you know, when my 10% brain kicks in and it's like, what the hell is happening? Like you, you were once a very logical person. Um, I keep doing it for those, for those people because it just, it brings a magic. So, yeah. Well, and thank you for turning that 10% off because I think, (laughs) um, I think you're putting a lot of really positive energy out into the world and definitely at this tumultuous time we need that more than ever and i like i'm just really glad that there are people like you out there helping other people find peace and that's i mean what a better way to live your life than doing that oh thank you yeah it's what it's what keeps me going even when it's hard and it it does get hard oh i (laughs) i cannot imagine that is actually one thing that i was thinking about as i was preparing to chat with you is like the the uh, what's the right word? I guess the sadness yeah. that that you must see and feel. Um, how do you how do you manage that? Yeah. So there's two parts to that. One is most of the letters that come through are all from a place of of love and joy, and you know these people wanting to connect with whoever it is that has come to them. So 
there are different feelings. You know, when I think about the letters that I've written, like I said, writing from a young person who has committed suicide feels a little darker and heavier, even if the message is one of love compared to a lot of the kind of grandparents that, you know, people want to talk to who are just joyous and bubbly and just kind of sharing fun messages, those feel lighter. So um, I would say, yeah, the first part is mostly, you know, they all come from a place of love, which is, which is awesome. Um, The second part is that um, it does take a toll on me emotionally. So I've had to learn to control, I guess, be able to separate those feelings of what's coming through in that energy from my own self. And um, I don't know if you're f- familiar with what an empath is. So I'm very empathic just mm-hmm. regardless, you know, before I knew that I could communicate with people who were not alive. Um, this is something I was working on before. And I think it's a beautiful part of my journey and, and kind of prepared me to do this work. Um, so for myself, I guess the difference, a lot of people in life, you know, for example, let's say you were very sad right now. The majority of people will say like, Marcus, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that you are sad. I'm sorry that you feel that way. For me as an empath, I literally feel the sadness in my body that you are feeling. So that's, that's how an empath works. So I didn't even know that this existed for the first many, many years of my life. So that's even just knowing that alone has really changed the game for me to say like, why am I like, even with coronavirus stuff a couple of weeks ago when it all first was just getting really crazy and I just got back home suddenly I was in my, um, in my condo and I was working and all of a sudden I was like, I'm really anxious. Like I'm really like flustered. Like what is going on? I don't, nothing changed. I just started feeling this way. And I realized that it was just me taking on the emotions of a lot of people around me in this really stressful, weird time. So I've learned to say what's mine and what is not. And when I do these letters and channeling, it's very energetically draining, but I've learned to, at the end of it, clear myself of it and know that it's not my journey. You know, it's this connection for these other people. And I got to leave it at that and not hold on to it. So one thing that I'm really fascinated by and, and your comments just now about managing um, the the life of an empath, mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll call it. <laughs> um, uh, I'm, I'm fascinated by people's process, the, the way that people go about doing things. Would you um, explain to me what your process is for writing one of these letters. Yeah, like, it's a fun you... one. And it's a fun, it's a, actually a pretty common question. Even with my friends, you know, they'll ask um, when I'm traveling and I do these letters while I travel and all that. They're like, if I just walk in on you while you're doing this, are you going to be like levitating with like candles around you? Like, what's <laughs> happening? Um, you're like, that'd be pretty badass I know, if I could. I could do that. Um, yeah. So I like to kind of dispel the myth because I think even with, um, you know, mediums in general, people think of it as these, you know, like fortune tellers, like dressed in crazy outfits and, you know, seance circles in the dark and, and all of that. Like that's, it's not what I'm doing. So for me, um, I get the letter requests that come in and I always say, I'll, you know, I send them back to you within seven days because I want to make sure that I'm in a place where I'm energetically feeling good, feeling, you know, charged, not drained myself. Right. So we all kind of go through ups and downs. So I wait till I'm just have good energy feeling like I'm in a clear space and I'll just go in a room by myself. Um, I often do it in a bedroom. I don't know why I like to like sit on my bed and, and, and write, but, um, yeah, I just do almost like a little bit of meditation before just kind of like shut my eyes, get in a quiet space where I can get rid of everything that's been going on that day and other kind of thoughts inside of me. And then I'll, it's funny, I, I look at the the letters and the, or sorry, the, the questions that people ask. So again, I have people submit a list of specific questions that they want to ask the person who's passed on. 
And when I first, even, you know, after I meditate and just get a clear space, I look at the questions and, you know, my mind as Marissa, I'm like, I don't know the answer to these. Like, how am I going to write this? Every time I do this, I'm like, I don't know. Um, <laughs> this is me, right? I'm, I'm looking and I'm like, I don't, I, I literally couldn't even begin to answer these questions. And then um, I just kind of turn my mind off and I just start writing and that's it. Like there's, there's no candles, there's no sage, there's no seances. It's just kind of get in a clear space and then um, just let the process take over. And again, it feels as if, um, you know, if people are in the flow with work or I used to play basketball as well. Like you're in a flow of sports. You just don't really think you're just, your muscles take over. You just do. That's kind of how it works for me. And I just let my writing take over and my brain kind of shuts off and I'm semi, I, I kind of explain it. Um, the feeling is like if, if you're ever driving home from somewhere and you're, you know, maybe got down a road for five minutes and you think to yourself, I don't even know how I just got here, but I know I must've been present because my eyes and my body did this. That's kind of how it works for me. So I'm, I'm conscious. I kind of know what's happening, but I have to reread those letters afterwards because I don't really fully know what was said. And that's the process. Wow. That I can relate to that for different things in my life. That is very relatable. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised actually. <laughs> yeah. Do you know roughly how many letters you've written? Oh, gosh, I've never counted exactly, but dozens and dozens, certainly. Um, yeah, I should go back and, and check the exact amount. I don't know for sure. Mm. That's, uh, wow, that is very, that's very cool. Um, and, and the reason that I find that so interesting is I, I look at people that do um, work that seems unattainable, mm -hmm. because when you're describing what you do, yeah. I, I had... <laughs> the reaction like wow i could never do that right. i would be like completely lost but then as you described your process and what you're doing um i have definitely had times where i've tapped into that mm -hmm. energy that you're describing yeah. and not that not that i think i'm a medium by any stretch of the imagination but um it it's um i don't know it just it feels it feels good to know that we're not that different yeah. that we're tapping mm -hmm. into to different things for different reasons mm -hmm. and that there's this i don't know there's this beautiful connection between all of us who are just trying to make sense of this crazy world yeah i have a couple thoughts there actually so one question um Please. that people sometimes ask me but more that i think about as well as is, is someone says you know like it's like that doesn't seem so crazy i've started tapping into things like could i be a medium can anyone be a medium and I honestly think the answer is yes. I think that, like I said, I was more open to it because of, um, you know, maybe maybe genetically some people are a little more predispositioned to it. Um, like I said, my mom and my grandmother and my great-grandmother all kind of, my grandmother explained it to me recently. She's like, you guys are kind of witchy, but like my mom was kind of witchy too. So I think, you know, maybe it runs <laughs> in the family um, a little bit. But also I think that it just made me more open to it because my mom was. And um, as I think about children, you know, when people see imaginary friends when they're little or they're like, yeah, I talked to grandpa. People are like, what? Um, I think that children actually are open to it and kind of have this, this skill until they learn from society that these are not real people. You can only see humans. If nobody else sees them, that's mm. not real, right? And we start to shut it down. Um, to the fact where even though I'm open to it, even though I've had these experiences, my, you know, brain is still like, this doesn't make sense. Stop, stop, stop. Like this can't be real. Right. So I think that anybody can do it. And for me, it started, um, 
I'd be curious to hear what kind of things you've started to tap into. Um, cause I don't like to tell the super long story, but for me, it actually started. So again, I was journaling for myself and I was listening to a lot of channeled work, which is basically, um, whether it's inner voice or spirit guides that kind of come through. So not a specific person maybe that's passed away, but it's kind of like this, um, wiser voice where it starts talking to you is the best way to kind of explain it. That's how it started for me through journaling. And I did that for about a year before specific people started coming through. So it's more of almost like this, this inner wisdom, inner guidance for myself, where I was like, this is cool. I can just get all the advice I want. Just, you know, start journal and just let it take over. So it, it kind of, um, yeah, it's, it was a process that started happening over time. And I think that again, it's just that people aren't open to it. And we think, um, you know, when I first started, I'll just talk about the journaling and the spirit guides. You know, I would write in my journal and start like, you know, I think this, or I'm feeling this, or this happened. And then sometimes when I look back like years ago, it would switch over to this voice. that's like, you think, and you know, if you just do this and it would almost start talking to me, but I just assumed that I was, you know, like journaling differently, or I was just like in a weird mood or something like that. And then I started to, you know, read more and more channeled work and listen to more and more channeled work from other people. Um, I became open to it. And that's when I realized like, oh, maybe this is something else. Maybe this is, you know, a, a higher spirit or a spirit guide or my inner voice or wisdom that I'm tapping into. And again, I can still get caught in my, you know, very societal mind. That's like, that's not real. How could this be? But maybe it is right. So it's just kind of like the more you're open to it and let yourself experience those things with no judgment, right? You don't have to believe it. You don't have to not believe it. Just see what happens. That's kind of how it all unfolded for me. And maybe it will continue to do so for you. Who knows? Yeah. And I think, I I don't know. I don't know either. I'm interested to see kind of where (laughs) this, this journey of self-exploration takes me. Um, But I think the key as you hit on so perfectly is just being open and, I think too often we we conflate being open with accepting everything mm-hmm. and they're not the same thing. Yeah. And I I think that's really important and and that's helped me to realize that that I can I can be open and I can seek to understand but that doesn't mean that I have to accept it into my life. Yeah. Just like, you know, we don't have to buy everything we see at the grocery store. <laughs> we just we get to go down all the aisles and see the things that look good to us. And we take those home with us. Yeah. It doesn't have to be everything. I like that. I like that. And I couldn't yeah. agree more. Again, I, I think I always tell people, even in my coaching, um, you know, when we're just trying to figure out careers or what to do or what we're interested in our own identity, I just say, follow what excites you and follow what you feel curious about. Right. So for me, that became chakras and crystals and pendulums and and channeling and mediums and auras and things like that. Um, but it, again, if, if people are just kind of dabbling in this or whatever, it's like, you don't have to believe anything, but if you're curious, um, start reading and just be open. And I think I've kind of lived my whole life that way, I would say, where you know, I, I find it really hard when people are very closed minded and don't, um, you know, won't ever listen to another pin, opinion and a lot of people, mm-hmm. um, I was having a conversation, I feel like it was like a month or so ago where someone said, well, um, you know, what if somebody, you were talking to someone and they just say like mediums aren't real and this isn't true. Like, wouldn't you be angry? And I was like, no, that's, that's their belief. And they get to believe whatever they want. And I get to believe whatever I want. And I'd love to have a conversation. I can only share my experiences. I like to hear other people's and 
yeah, like you're saying with everything, it's like, just be open. And I say, follow, if, if none of this excites you, then no, don't follow it. If you're kind of curious, read somewhere. That's, that's what we get to, that's the fun of life. Absolutely. And speaking of the fun of life, you have an incredible uh, work schedule under normal, uh, <laughs> normal situations. Tell us about um, your travels, like, and how you've been able to incorporate that into what you do for work. Yeah, I love it. So for me, um, I, like I, I kind of mentioned at the beginning, but coronavirus aside, I'm typically traveling full time um, around the world, and I like to um, spend about a month in each country so that I can live in a place and kind of get a normal routine and still work out and not get total exhaustion from moving too fast. Um, but then every now and then I'll kind of hop around to a country, couple countries and then slow down. So in the last, um, gosh, 18 months or so, I think I've lived for a month. Oh gosh, I don't even know. I've probably been to over 35 countries in the last kind of year and a half alone. Oh my gosh. I would say. Yeah, I've been to over over 60 now. So um, again, in the last 18 months, I've lived in Indonesia, Thailand, Nigeria, Panama, Bolivia, Argentina, Oman, uh, Mexico. I'm forgetting a few. I don't know. And then just hopping, you know, sometimes I'll just kind of hop to countries nearby as I move around. But it's been an incredible experience. And the reason I started doing this, um, you know, I I remember 2014. So it's been a long time coming. I read The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. So for anyone who is interested in this lifestyle, uh, pick up the book. It's it's funny. It's the spark of a lot of people's travel journeys. But it just made me realize that you know we didn't have to. This was in, in the prime of my Pepsi career, and it just made me realize that I didn't have to go to an office, sit in a cubicle, do a normal job. I could you know do everything remotely. And that book was written in 2007. So you know since then. Uh, the world of the internet has made it far, 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 you know, easier. So everything I do, I've, I've set up uh, a couple of different businesses at this point and keep following the things that I'm more excited by and more excited by. And now I feel like I'm finally living my mission. But um, yeah, everything I do, I always tell people to start with the end in mind. And for me, that end of mind has to be, I have to be able to do this while I, while I travel. Right. So I joke, um, I travel with a lot of friends who work remotely and, you know, people always say, well, like what jobs could you do remotely? And there's a lot of different ones, but, um, the joke has become, it's like, who knew I could be a medium. And, and of course it's remote. Like I don't have to see people in, in person and, you know, they submit their letters and I'm sorry, their questions and I can, you know, answer it wherever I am and just send it back by email. But, um, yeah. And, and I started coaching and, and doing online courses and other things before I even learned I was a medium. So there's a lot of different work to do, but for me, I just grow so much from traveling. I learned so much from other cultures and other people and just putting myself so far outside, you know, what used to be my comfort zone, just like is blown out of the water. You can throw me to any country and I'm like, all right, here I am. What am I going to do? I'll figure it out. But, uh, it's just been a really important part of my life and I love it. That gives me a lot of excitement because my ultimate goal is to own my own business, work for myself, yeah. and have the freedom to do exactly what you're talking about right now. Uh, for our work week is the next book <laughs> in the stack of books that I'm reading through. Uh, literally, oh, really? it's, I I'm reading. Yeah, oh, that's so funny. <laughs> I'm reading. Uh, what's the book I'm reading right now? It's uh, the Mask of Masculinity uh, by Lewis Howes. Yeah. 
And the next one literally down is uh, for our work. Oh, that's awesome. So. Well, we'll have to chat. And yeah, I help people on my coaching side. I still, I still do some coaching and I'm putting together an online course to help people figure out, you know, what is their life mission? What work do they want to do? What lifestyle do they want to live and, and how to start living it? Um, but I help a lot mm. of people in the coaching that I do just go from where are you now working for someone else or working in one place to living this, you know, fully remote nomadic lifestyle, whether that's running your own company um, in ways that I've done before, or, um, you know, just working for a company that lets you be remote, you know, if that's the middle ground, but yeah, the four hour work week, if you ask again, I didn't personally know very many nomads before I started this life. And now that I know (laughs) there's hundreds of us that are my friends, it's like that book is, is usually the launch pad for, I would say like 50% of people, which it's a pretty big percentage for how many books are in the world. And um, I'm all, yeah, I didn't used to read very much. And now I, I just, I'm like you, I've got all those books and I, I can't stop reading. Well, and I think one of the things that has been interesting for me as I'm trying to situate myself to be able to, to have that freedom mm-hmm. is, um, I know, like I have a very clear vision and I think this is just part of my innate personality, but I have a very clear vision of what I want my life to look yeah. like. Um, what my life, like I've known like, geez, as long as I can remember what my purpose in life was, um, the vehicle for accomplishing that perfect purpose Mm -hmm. has changed over the years, but I I've always known what that was. One thing that I've been having conversations with friends about and that I am struggling to help them understand is like, how does someone identify what their life's purpose is? Is there a short answer to that question? Because I've i tried to answer it for people yeah. and I've fallen short. Because you're like, I don't know. I what would you... <laughs> That's unusual, by <laughs> yeah. the way. Can I ask you, and then I'll want to answer what your life purpose is, if you don't mind sharing? Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's a kind of broad, which is why I think the vehicle yeah. has changed. Mm-hmm. But I've always known that my purpose in life was to serve other people and help other people be the best that they could be and live their their best life mm-hmm. for lack of a better term. Yep. So initially when I went to school, like I wanted to be an attorney and I was going to work in adoption law. And then I realized that law school was definitely not the right <laughs> route for me. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go work in law enforcement. And so I went and I graduated with a political science degree and I went and worked in law enforcement for a little while and helped people that way. And then that was really hard on my personal life. So I was like, okay, so now what I do in my nine to five is I work in wildlife conservation, specifically engaging with uh, people Mm -hmm. and helping people, uh, find fulfillment in the outdoors so again helping people like be happy and find joy in their lives so yeah um and then with the side hustle of podcasting like i feel like everybody's got a voice and what better way to give back and serve than to share that voice with other people so yeah, that's me in a nutshell. I love that. And one thing I want to start with, um, just something about your story, and then I'll I'll answer your, your question of how do people find that purpose to begin with. Um, I think it's really important that you noted how your execution can change over time, but you still have the same mission. And so that's what I help people figure out. It's like when you have that mission, that why, that purpose in life, 
uh, that's your North star that shouldn't ever change. And sometimes we can get a little even more specific, you know, as you layer things up, everybody's purpose generally in life is, you know, to do something to ultimately help other people. So I like to say like, what's your flavor? You know, I think about like ice cream flavors, like what's your flavor of helping that you're most passionate about mm. and to get one layer, even um, a little bit more detailed, that should be your North star that never changes. That being said, the execution can change as we change, right? We're not the same people we were one year, five years, 10 years, 20 years ago. And, and hopefully we'll both continue growing, right? Like into these years is, you know, you, you talk to a medium and you're like, Hey, maybe I'm curious about this stuff. I never thought I would be right. Like you have permission to kind of change and grow within that. But when you have that North star, that's your purpose, but your career and your passions can change and evolve over time laddering up to that. So that's kind of the first part that I think is important to differentiate um, that a lot of people kind of assume are one and the same. And then it gets really hard because you feel like you have to pigeonhole yourself into one thing forever and ever and ever. And it's just not the case. Um, So in terms of finding your mission when you don't know it, um, there's two things. One, some people, it, it starts with asking yourself the right questions. Um, and, you know, in the course that I'm building and the coaching that I do, that's what I do to start with people. It's asking yourself these questions that we've never asked before to find what does truly excite you. Like, what are you really interested in? Who do you really want to help? And there's some, some kind of sub questions below that to help people figure that out. Um, and sometimes just starting there, I can pull out people's purpose in a, in a heartbeat, right? It, and it's just something they've never really realized, or maybe it came so second nature that they didn't think they could ever, you know, get paid to do that, or that that was a thing that everybody didn't care of or feel about, right? So that's kind of step one. Um, step two for people, sometimes you start asking these questions and it still isn't really clear. And for that, um, it takes doing. And by that, I mean, like we talked about earlier, following what excites you and following what you're curious about. Um, so I use myself an example here. Um, for me, when I was back at Pepsi, I was working in brand marketing and I was, you know, people would say like, what were you put on this earth to do? And I was like, I don't know. Like, I have no idea. <laughs> like, I'm pretty good at like math. I'm like, I like creative. I like, you know, pictures. I like traveling. I like playing sports, you know, I'm a really good friend. I don't know. What was I put? I don't, you know, I just did not know the answer. And I would sit there at Pepsi when I knew that that career wasn't right. But I was like, what should I, I don't know what would be better. I have no idea. And um, the first business I started was actually an online bakery business, which is a long story. And then I started an online course helping families with college admissions. And then I started traveling and learning that I was able to really help and support people. And then I became a coach. And then along this like self-development reading journey became a medium as well, right? So if you'd asked me five or six years ago, I couldn't have told you in any way what my purpose was. And it took, I, I guess I always say like have, having courage and having bravery to take the next step, to do whatever excites you, to follow that thing, even when it might not make sense or you don't see where it's going. Um, so I like to use the, the Steve Jobs quote here. It's that you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. Um, but a lot of people just say, I don't know what that thing is. So I'm just going to sit right here in this job that I've got until it hits me on the head. And it's never going to because you don't go out and learn anything or meet new people or talk to someone new or read something new or take an online course or whatever it might be. Right. So, you know, for me, um, I was talking to a friend, we were on a road trip uh, a couple months ago and he's like, you know, for example, if someone asked me, how do you become a medium? I wouldn't say like, well, go open a, an e-commerce bakery business. Right. But that was the <laughs> step for me. That was the first step that had to take me away from 
my corporate job and marketing that taught me about online courses and, and, and learning to then being able to travel and travel, you know, opening me up to more. And again, it just kind of takes doing even when that feels scary or pointless or hard, it's, it's really the way to do it. And then to have someone who can help you ask yourself those right questions and be introspective and, and pull that information out of you along the way too. So a little bit of a long story. I'm super passionate about this topic, but that's, that's my answer. No, that's fantastic. And I love that you that you made it okay for us to not have it figured out yeah. because I think that is one of the biggest things that held me back and that I see holding other people back is we feel like we have to have arrived. Yes. Yeah. But there's there's never an arriving. Nope. It's this constant <laughs> journey. Nope. And the the more people put pressure on themselves to like figure it out right now, um, the the harder it will be. And then the other part of what I really loved about what you said is that it can change and evolve and that's okay. Um, I think at least, you know, from, from my perspective and and you may have had the same thing. Like I saw my, my parents like get the same job and they work the same job for most of their life. Um, and now my parents, what's been really interesting is they have been changing their careers and they've changed up what they're doing. And um, my mom has now started three or four businesses. Oh, awesome. And that wasn't something that they did originally. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I when I was growing up, I was watching them in the, the career that they'd had since they graduated uh, school. And I was thinking, well, I've got to have it figured out yeah. and I've got to have the, the thing yep. picked that I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And that's just not the way it is. So the permission to not have it figured out and for it to change yeah. is so empowering and so important. Full permission. Yeah. I think it is hard because mm. we always assume we, like you said, the the generation before us, it's like, you have to know. And, you know, we go to college and put all this pressure on ourselves, like pick the right major to pick the first career right out of college so that you can, you know, start climbing that ladder and, and not waste any time. But you know, I would say there are some people, I don't know, I call it like 2% who, you know, step into high school and college knowing, ex- you know, they want to be that doctor or they're, you know, have a cause or something they're really passionate about and it, it never changes their whole life. But it's a very small percentage. And most of us um, don't give ourselves that permission to just kind of try and switch around. And there's often these, you know, connotations that, you know, if you switch majors too many times, you're just lost. Or if you switch careers, you're like a career switcher. But, you know, how else are we supposed to know? So, um, you know, again, I think there's a difference between doing it to discover and really doing things that excite you and, and, and fault, you know, that you will build into something versus just kind of like, you know, not asking yourself questions and just doing things randomly. But yeah, I relate my parents, um, when I was switching, I did like the dessert business and the college business. And I was like, guys, like the coaching, this is it. And they're like, stop. Like they're, they're just so scared for us. Right. They're like, stop switching. Like just when you, you <laughs> yeah. to do this thing, it's successful. You close it and you do something else. Like stop. Marissa. And now they know that like, that will never be me. And I'm going to keep evolving. You know, right now I love teaching about, um, you know, career coaching and finding your mission and your purpose. But, um, I know it's going to get deeper over time. It's like, I want to help people discover their past lives and learn how to communicate, you know, with spirits and and all of that. So as I evolve, what I teach is going to evolve too. And so for me, um, you know, my overall mission is to help people 
um, get in kind of emotional alignment and to kind of look deeper into these parts of their lives so that um, I can ultimately help heal people. I believe that a lot of our our stress and sicknesses and illnesses are what caught, you know, sorry, the, the stress and, and the, um, you know, ignoring our emotions and doing things that aren't right in life are what cause our our illnesses and, you know, sickness and things like that. So my ultimate mission is to heal people. And so for me, whether I am, you know, helping someone heal emotionally through a medium letter, coaching, figuring out how to live a life, traveling abroad that brings them more joy and so on and so on. It all ladders up to, you know, my bigger purpose, but I'm allowed, you know, we're, we're allowed to change and grow as, as we discover new things and get interested in new things. What's been the thing? Well, what's been the greatest lesson that you've learned from the travels that you've been able to do? The greatest lesson from traveling. Hmm. That's such a hard one. There's, there's a couple, there's, I gotta say there's two that come to mind. The first one is just thinking about the people that I meet. Um, I've always been pretty open and open to, you know, just people's kindness at, at the heart of them. But I think that there's, there's so many judgments about what people are like in different countries or different beliefs and this and that. And I think the biggest thing is that I think humans are kind and we all deal with the same emotional struggles, no matter our economic status or, um, you know, the different social cues, but no matter if you're in the middle East or South America, we're all struggling with the same emotions and people are, are just really wonderful. That's kind of the first takeaway, which Mm. didn't surprise me so much, but I think just to really live it and feel it, um, is unexplainable. I think to, to people who haven't traveled so much and, the second one um, is, is I guess, how much um, it's pushed me outside my comfort zone and to know that I'm capable of anything. So, you know, I guess it took a certain bravery to even have this vision to start and to, you know, pack all my stuff in storage. And um, Bali was my first destination to get there. Like it felt like so hard and I didn't know what to do. And I, you know, kind of had things planned. I knew where I was going and I knew who was going to be there. And like, that was big for me. And now like you could, like I mentioned earlier, like I was going to Amman to meet a group of people for a month. And before I I went on a solo trip to through Egypt and Jordan. And I think I booked the flights like a couple days beforehand. And I didn't know where I was staying (laughs) any night. I didn't know what country I was going to end up in. I didn't know when I was going to switch from one to the other. Like just the amount that I've been able to grow myself to learn that I'm capable of dealing with any situation that comes my way. Again, like I said, my comfort zone has just expanded so far that it's given me permission to try, you know, just to be comfortable with the uncomfortable and try new things, whether it's starting a new business or, you know, meeting a new friend or going somewhere, talking to someone. It's just kind of like, I'll, I'll figure it out as I go is the best way to explain that. And that's been really important and uh, something that I've really appreciated. Hmm. Not going to lie. I had a momentary panic attack when you were talking about booking your flights. That is like (laughs) my, my, my major stress point is missing flights. So (laughs) apparently I need to travel so I can overcome that and, uh, yeah. (laughs) And grow. Yeah. It's funny to to think how I used to plan with friends of like, you know, down to the minute of like, here's our flight, here's this, here's that. We have to fit all this in. And part of it is, you know, when we think about the vacation days that we have, you kind of have to be specific and plan. Otherwise you really won't get the things done that you want to do in such a limited mm-hmm. time. So it's a little bit different when you have more flexibility and, and days and, and time just don't matter as much. But I remember 
when I first got um, to Bali, I was going on a weekend. We were living in this beach town and went on this weekend trip um, in the north a little bit. And on the way there, it, it was a lot of people who had been traveling longer than I had and were you know seasoned travelers. And in the car on the way, we're like, does anyone have a place to stay? We should probably book that, right? Um, just a total <laughs> different way where, you know, I was so used to traveling with friends who were like, let's book this hotel like seven months in advance and figure this out and just became far more flexible and fluid and um, I guess that I've always kind of been that way, but it just really gave me permission to, um, again, I, I've been on road trips where I'm like, I literally don't know what country I'm going to end up in and sleep in tonight. Like I have no idea. And that's, I'm cool. That's fine. I'll figure it out as I go. It's, it's so easy with the internet now, but it really just, yeah, I think it, it lets you be more flexible and you know, things are going to go. It's not, nothing's going to go wrong. Like things are going to go wrong. You just learn that you can handle them along the way. Oh uh, man, that is such a powerful lesson. Thank you for, for sharing yeah. that. Um, well, this is the part of my podcast uh, where I ask people random questions and I try not to prep anybody for this. So <laughs> are you ready to give these a shot? Ready as, ready as I'll ever be. <laughs> okay. You have to battle 100 duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck. Ooh, I would go with the duck-sized horses. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, like I can handle that. Um, <laughs> and I like the animals. <laughs> they sound cute. Yeah. You, you could, like, gently corral them into yeah, a Yeah, they sound cute. You I'd like to, to, like, hang out with them. Yeah. Them. <laughs> <laughs> um, if I gave you $10 million right now, what would you do with it? Invest it so that it keeps growing. I'm all about the, the passive uh, income. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, then I'd be able to um, give to, you know, charities and causes that I'm passionate about. And then also um, using it to continue traveling and growing and going to seminars and learn learning. Like I'm just obsessed. I've done a lot of um, money mindset work over the last couple of years. And I think old me would have been like, I would just take it and donate everything. But New me is like, I want to keep it growing and I want to give some, but it's also really important to invest in myself because I feel like the more I do, the more experiences that I have, the more I can continue to grow and help other people. So a little bit of a combination there. What's your most used emoji? <laughs> Wait, I'm going to open up my phone right now and see. It is, I should know it. I feel like it's usually one of the smiley faces or, yeah, it's the crying laughing face. <laughs> Ah, that's mine too. Oh, I wonder if we should text a lot then. <laughs> <laughs> and then the heart is the uh, one that I use a lot. Oh man, I don't know what my second most. <laughs> oh, you know what my second most used one is? It's the it's the hand slap to the face. To the face? I don't know. If I yeah, know. where the the guy's like palm to the face, oh. like oh my gosh, I can't believe that just happened. <laughs> oh bad. I thought you were like talking about yeah. hand slapping someone else's face. I was like, well, I need that one. Where is that emoji? <laughs> Uh, that's like a level up in the emojis. <laughs> I like the palms. You got to unlock a level. Yeah. <laughs> that means you're trying and doing new things. The fact that you have that. So I'm proud of you. <laughs> that you uh, have thank you. moments. <laughs> uh, there's quite a few. Uh, what's We talked about a four-hour work week, but what's another book everyone should read? Yeah, I'm going to give you two more. These are my go-to. So four-hour work week to start. Okay. And then um, the next one is uh, It Starts With Why by Simon Sinek. So that's a really good one if you're if people are interested in that kind of mission purpose talk that we were talking about, like what's your purpose in life, um, that one. And then the second one after that is called The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. And that's like 
all right, you know you want to work remotely. You now know what your purpose is. Uh, here's what's going to happen if you don't do it. Like, go take that leap. And that's the next one mm. in the story. That's perfect. I love I love that. I'm going to add those two to my growing oh, book list. No, there's so, so many books. So many books to read. Uh, who would you want to back you up in a bar fight? Oh, um, is this to be like a celebrity or a friend or it doesn't matter? Whoever. Um, the first one that came to mind was uh, a friend of mine who I travel with, um, who I was just with in Mexico for a while. And he has done some bar bouncing in his days and is a semi-professional boxer. We used to go to, we went to a bunch of boxing classes together. So I'd definitely choose him. That sounds like the perfect pick. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you could pick one thing to be free forever, what would it be? Oh, travel and i have two oh god one thing yeah to like flights I would, you can pick two okay yeah my first one is like flights so i could get anywhere all the time and and then also um like seminars to to learn like all of mm. the you know there's so many um like i just want to learn about again like i said like past lives or healing or um i've done like ayahuasca journeys things like that uh i just yeah those would be nice they were free too have you done an ayahuasca journey? Yes, I did it in Bolivia uh, a couple, back in August. I forget what month it was. Yeah, a couple months ago. I did a five-day, like three nights of ayahuasca, and it was incredible. Mm, okay, we're going to have to chat about that <laughs> at some point. Uh, okay, would you rather be stuck in Jumanji or Jurassic Park? Oh, God. Uh, I feel like Jumanji because you can figure it out and maybe make it end, whereas Jurassic Park, there's just dinosaurs that are there i don't know forever yeah both seem terrifying uh, i don't want to be in either <laughs> <laughs> that's the right answer actually. <laughs> i love there's a quote uh, just for coronavirus times uh someone's like oh, I, i'm gonna butcher it but there's there's one of those memes going around that's like who didn't finish the game of jumanji in 2020 <laughs> I, like, I love that feels so real right now that is a 90s kid right yeah. there whoever made that meme <laughs> gets gets me <laughs> um okay pancakes or waffles Ooh, um i want to say both i'm gonna go with pancakes which is kind of surprising me right now <laughs> surprised by my own answer cats or dogs love both but i'm gonna say cats morning person or night owl night owl definitely wendy's or mcdonald's mcdonald's Okay. um what's the the most played song in your shuffle right now Ooh, right now it is. I'm gonna open it. I feel like it's um. Sorry, I'm just like a You're quarantine good. playlist. Um, it's a song called Ocean Drive. It's called. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I think I know it. <laughs> I was like, which one is it? Yeah, suddenly I discovered it. I've been playing it on repeat. I love it. Okay, and then uh, one more question for you in this list. Uh, who is someone we should all follow on Instagram right now? On Instagram right now. Um, so I follow, I don't know if you're familiar with Abraham Hicks. Um, it's basically a channel. It's, it's, if you've ever heard of Law of Attraction, they are a, it's a woman who channels uh, this entity called Abraham. And uh, it's all about, I don't know, getting what you want in life through law of attraction, if that makes, if that means anything, mm. anyone, but, um, they have an Instagram. I have like daily emails that I get from them, but they post daily quotes on Instagram as well that I just really love. And they're a good reminder of how to live by the law of attraction. So I'll go with that one. Very cool. 
Uh, and this is the last question that I ask all my guests. Um, what do you, um, sorry, I'm going to have to edit that part out. <laughs> all good. <laughs> okay. Uh, what does living an authentic life look like to you? Yeah, I'm obsessed with that because it's what I love to help people with. Living an authentic life to me means doing the things it's like kind of the theme throughout our conversation, but following what excites you and what you're curious about and not um, letting the fear of trying things or living that life hold you back. So that's kind of part one of it. But it also, I think, has to dig a lot deeper where a lot of people don't even know if you said like, go live your authentic life. Here's all the money. Do what you want. They wouldn't even know where to begin. So um, again, I think that living an authentic life requires a lot of mindset work, self-introspection and getting, you know, I'm a coach, but I work with a coach because even I need help sometimes seeing, you know, seeing the big picture and not getting stuck in the fears and the mindsets and all of that. So yeah, it's just really living the life that you want to be living simply because we all deserve to feel joy and we are, you know, following what is exciting and fun and leads to, I guess the end of the day, I'm, I'm babbling, but the end of the day, the, the shortest of the answers I would say living an authentic life means you're living your purpose every single day. Mm. I think that that whole answer, all of it was perfect. And <laughs> I, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I'm babbling. I'm not sure, but I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wish we could keep talking forever. This has been such a fun conversation for me. I just want to recognize you before we end for the good work that you're doing, for the positivity that you're bringing into the world, for all the service that you're doing for your clients. And, um, yeah, I just, I, I would highly recommend that everybody check you out. Where can they, uh, find you if they want to connect with you? Yeah. So I would say, um, on Instagram, it's at M L Medin. So M L M E D D I N. And that's my personal Instagram. It's just where I post my travel life. Um, it's kind of just easy and fun. And then, um, if you're interested in the mediumship stuff, I would go to um, it's that same link from earlier, but Marissa medium.com slash in strange company. And then if you're curious about, um, my coaching, I would say just send me a message on Instagram and yeah, those are the two main places to find me. Awesome. Thank you, Marissa, so much for joining us. Thank you for everyone who tuned in to this episode. I appreciate you keeping us company today. See ya. See ya.